Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Welcome, everybody, to the Blitz, uh, episode 432 in the house. Oscar Lopez. We're going to have two great guests today, plus the return of the Hall of Famer to the podcast after the Nine Cup weekend. We're going to have the quarterback of the Utah Falcons, uh, Sarah Gallica, in the house to kind of recap the Nine Cup weekend, the amazing 2022 playoffs by the Utah Falcons. We're also going to have Coach Tammy Moore kind of dive us back into the Nine Cup with the victory of the Texas Elite Spartans and how long can we have this dynasty keep on going. Plus, uh, Team USA IFAB World Championships coming up here in about uh, 30 days or so. We've got Team Finland news we got Team Mexico preparing already, so we'll dive into the second hour with the Oracle of Women's Tackle Football, which is Mark Simone, a.k.a. the backseat coach. We're also going to run down the WFA National Championships. We'll dive into every matchup uh, in the second hour as we go towards Canton, the road to Canton this weekend as the WFA National Championships take place. Uh, the Pro Division will be on ESPN2. Let's bring in the re- recently retired uh, Hall of Famer Holly Custis into the show. Holly, what's going on? This uh, bombshell news is today of all days on July 5th. Why didn't you do it July 4th? It would have been more more like fireworks. Hey, how's it going? Um, well, you, you know, um, on the 4th of July, I figured people were pretty busy with other activities, and so I felt like uh, the 5th might be a better day. <laughs> It was a great day for us because, you know, that's our day, the podcast day, so that was really cool. Um, well, you know what? Tell the, tell the fans a little bit about the decision and then tell the fans a little bit about, you know, you were already thinking about it even before the season started. So kind of dive into your thought process. Well, basically I've been playing for 16 years. Um, the last two and a half years or so here I've been uh, commuting down from Seattle to Utah to play for the Utah Falcons. And, uh, you know, it, it got to a point where um, I'm getting older. Um, you know, I've played 16 years, which is basically 102 in, in, in football years. Uh, it's a lot of wear and tear, a lot of hitting. And, you know, it just kind of felt last year when we, um, you know, lost to San Diego in the playoffs, like I was just sitting there on the field thinking this is it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel complete. And I just felt like, okay, I'm going to come back one more year. And um, so, you know, this this was the year. And I couldn't have asked for a better ending to my career. You know, the game itself didn't end the way that we wanted. But just to even get to that point um, meant a lot of overcoming of adversity for our team uh, to go on, you know, basically a magical run to even get to the championship game. And uh, so – Basically, it's, it's just time. Um, it doesn't mean I'm going to Mars or anything like that. I'm still going to, you know, be coaching locally here in the area and 
looking for other avenues to still be involved with football. It's just time for me to move on from playing. Even though it makes me sad, it's, it's the right time. Now, I know you put out your stuff on your Facebook. Wasn't aware of all those stats. So if everybody looks at that, 16 years between rushing, receiving, tackles, uh, I mean, just an impressive resume. I, I think it goes back to what? The IWFL, if I'm correct? I, I, IWFL yes. all, all expands up yes. to this last last year, right? So uh, who was keeping tally of that? Was that your uh, own keeping tally of it, or was it just uh, stats off the, uh, like the hostess sports, or how was that tallied on, your, on your stats? Oh, both. Like the early years, it was a lot um, not as accurate stats-wise, you know, on some of the host pages. But whatever I could get, I grabbed. And then I had uh tally each game that I couldn't find. I would go back at the film and try to piece it together. Um, for me, the stats is a really good way to keep myself accountable to myself. And so I would have challenges with myself game to game, year to year, about, hey, I want to try to get this. I want to try to get that to try to hold myself accountable. And I would do the same thing with my teammates before games. I would go up to people and I'd be like, hey, uh, I would go to Maya and say, hey, I want 150 yards from you, three touchdowns, and give a goal. Um, I think it's just the casual nature of myself. <laughs> if I set a tangible goal, I can try to go after it. Um, you know, and so for me, when you look at the stats, it's more about – I really think I had, like, two or three kind of careers in one in one large career. My early part, I played a lot more running back and corner. Then I moved around a bit, and I went from corner to safety to outside linebacker to inside linebacker. I have played some slot receiver. I played guard one year. Um, you know, so – I think I've been all over the board, but that kind of actually gave me an advantage at times because having played on offense, I knew what they were trying to do, and it it made it easier for me to read. So I I think for me, the fact that I had different stats in different areas is something I'm proud of. It means that I've played a long time, and it means that I was versatile enough to contribute in different ways. And I think that's the key, right? You've talked about it in the past where uh, as a teammate, especially with numbers in, in the women's game, a lot of times you are going to be asked to pitch in in different positions, right? And you must be yes. uh, dual skill setted to just benefit the team ultimately through a season. Oh, definitely. And most people in our sport play uh, two ways in some capacity. Uh, if you're on a, like a smaller market team, when I was, oh, my gosh, early in my days, we, I wouldn't come off the field because we only had, you know, 13, 14 people at some point. And that's really hard. I don't care how good of an athlete you are. Playing an entire game, all sides of the ball, special teams included, is really hard. And, um, you know, I, I was a, I'm a bit too old now to, to attempt Ironman football anymore, but I have the utmost respect for teams that are smaller like that and, because uh, that's that's very difficult. But, yeah, there are times, you know, too, with injuries that you might have to come in and play a position uh, that you don't normally play. And that's part of the beauty of the game is that you need everybody on the team. Even if you uh, don't start right away or maybe you don't get a lot of playing time right away early in the season, you're going to be needed at some point, and that's, that's, that's awesome. I love that about football. 
Now, Holly, uh, um, besides your 16-year career along the way, uh, you've been a great contributor in a lot of ways with your uh, your blog over time, and also, you know, some of the aspects that are in women's football in terms of the group boards, you know, with opinions and things like that, especially with your HR background and also your playing time over over the span and, and various leagues that have come and gone uh, ultimately in that 16-year career. Um, the one piece that we are uh, diving in at the at the hub was a kind of like a, a, a nice piece that was done uh, with a collaboration, which is uh, I believe it's a fan-sided article that we had, the latest one that we put out there. And we, it talks about, you know, um, what women's football means to uh, the queer community. And so we dive into like, okay, a shocker because, you know, you have uh, Michael Sams as an example who came into the NFL, which is the NFL's male-dominated. But, you know, when you look right. at women's football – it's not. It's kind of like the opposite. You know, we we have the acceptance of diversity in that sense, but we don't have the the millions of dollars on the flip side. So it was kind of right. interesting to to kind of dive into that and for your perspective on that. Oh, definitely. Um, this is a, a topic that has been uh, brought up to me a few times, and you know, I think if you look at the history of women's sports, if you look at the history of women's basketball, women's softball. Uh, there tends to have been a lot of people with a more diverse background as far as orientation is concerned. And I think over the years that um, because there there has been a lot of diversity there, it's been an outlet for a lot of people. Uh, And one of the things that I talked about in my article is, you know, maybe you are somebody that's completely straight, and, but being around a whole bunch of people that have that diverse background kind of opens your eyes to, hey, it's totally cool if people have, um, you know, uh, different orientations and um, or maybe you are somebody that's questioned and then you're around a group of people um, that's outside of your normal circle. Maybe your normal circle, uh, your family or friends are not as accepting, but now you're around a group of people that are. Now you can start to feel a little bit more comfortable with, hey, Maybe I can take time to figure out who I am, and it's a safer environment for that. So I do think that uh, the women's side of sports has definitely done a better job in that particular area. The men's side is starting to catch up in some ways, but a little bit further behind. So I think in that way, men's sports can learn from women's sports um, and acceptance of that. And my whole thing in the article was, you know, basically football is the ultimate team sport, and I don't care what orientation or background you are. If, if we're all blocking the same way and you're assisting me in, like, making a tackle, that's all that matters. And so I just think it was a really cool uh, article that the Insider did. Um, there's there's going to be, I think, a series of articles coming out in the future. Um, and it's just something I was really thankful to be a part of. It's a great piece. Uh, we have it at the at the Hub. It's kind of cluttered with the rest of the stuff based on the most current news, but you can go back probably a week or so. Um, and then, Holly, we can't forget uh, the World Games will introduce flag football this uh, coming week, I believe the weekend of the next week, by the end of this week. Joe Overstreet, Team USA, uh, men's and women will take on, you know, into a battle mode at the World Games in Birmingham. So that is uh, kind of unique. It's never happened before. So it's actual football on display it's not tackled but it is flagged and it's probably what the 
what is buzzing right now in the States anyways, and worldwide it isn't more of an acceptance sport than tackle ultimately. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge deal to have Flag be involved in this. You know, um, I think one of the interesting things, and we, we've had a, a lot of people on the podcast talk about this that are more involved on the, on the Flag side is Flag is a lot more accessible. You don't need, um, you know, uh, pads and helmets. You don't need as much space necessarily um, to maneuver, you know, you really just need a field and some flags. And so that, that makes it easier for people to be able to pick up. And, and it also is kind of like a, a gateway for, for younger kids, for parents that might be thinking, oh, I don't know about the contact aspect. Flag can be an alternative for some of the youth as well. So the, the farther that the flag programs get, I think, you know, tackle football is right behind. And I think it's a really good sign that you finally have more traction with flag in the international level as far as uh, this kind of level is concerned. So I'm really excited to see how they do. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of traction afterwards. You know, hopefully you start to see kind of like how the early uh, – now, international women's teams did in the Olympics as far as, like, basketball and softball and stuff like that, how it had a huge effect on the following years on the growth of those sports. So hopefully that happens here, too. Well, the World Games is going to introduce uh, a lot of the teams internationally, including the top two teams basically from North America, which is Team USA and Team Mexico, which were the two of the two teams that obviously were playing for the IFAB Women's World Championship in Israel in the last I believe this past year. So it's an interesting facet. Uh, you also have some of the ambassadors from uh, Team Milk, uh, Jonah and Overstreet, going to be pretty much front and center there as well uh, on, on Team USA. So it's an interesting uh, matchup this coming week. Let me see if I get my stats here. Okay, so yeah, so um, if you don't get the live event uh, from my news, uh, you can use hashtag TWG2022. Um, if you don't get it on TV in your country, you can follow the events uh, at olympic.org, or you can go directly to the uh, streaming website, which is uh, www.theworldgames.org, and you can catch all the games. Uh, we're going to be following them uh, every day, and we'll give you updates as well at the Hub in terms of the results and what's happening through the games at the World Games in Birmingham. So it's going to be an interesting event that's happening this weekend, especially in Birmingham of all places. So. Um, what what do you say of this huge weekend coming up here? I know we had the Nine Cup last week. We got the Road to Canton this week. Uh, we're going to talk about it with uh, Mark Simone. But um, w- uh, before we get Sarah in here, um, Holly, uh, do you feel like, you know, th- th- this Vixen team can get it done against the Renegades? I, you know what? The, the Vixen, they've had an amazing year. I, and I think they're definitely, um, you know, I think this is their, their year so to speak, but it's also going to be a very tall order. Uh, Boston is just very stacked. I do expect it to be a good game, though, and an interesting kind of clash of styles, too. So I think whoever can come out and basically um, will their way to have the game go at their pace and their style has a clear advantage. But I'm excited to see it. I mean, the fact that you had – um, a game this last weekend, um, you know, at the Star, and then you have this one uh, in Canton. I think speaks volumes to how far we've come um, with women's football. So I'm excited to watch it. 
It's going to be on ESPN2. Well, I'll get to see uh, all the games basically probably off the U, uh, WFA YouTube channel from what I'm told. So that's going to be interesting to see. So uh, before, uh, let's go into the monkey knife huddle and let's bring in the quarterback of the Utah Falcons, the uh, nine-cup runner-up Utah Falcons of the nine-cup. That's going to be Sarah Gallica here in a second. Is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Don't forget, guys, go to Monkey Night Fight. That's our uh, podcast sponsor. Check it out PGA, MMA, and MLB. More or less is the platform. $5 free play on us. Use the code NJF to get started. So don't forget to go to Monkey Knife Fight, okay? All right, so I've been corrected. Uh, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. And it's Galicia, right? It is. It's the mystery. Okay, well, I don't know about you, but I know I've botched it several times, so I apologize. Hey, no worries. Um, I've gotten Garcia, Gallica, Galicia, Galactica... (laughs) So I've I've heard them all, but mainly mainly it's the name on the front, right? That matters. Yeah, no, I was thinking the the the, the C was throwing me off, right? Because in certain languages, it's either a K or or it's a Sha, right? So I was okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, so it is Galicia, right? Is that the proper? Mm-hmm. All right, it cool. is. So thank you for correcting me, and I apologize for watching your name on several podcasts in the past. I'm pretty sure I've done it more than once. <laughs> Um, so I apologize for that. Um, Sarah, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you got your fellow uh, retired uh, teammate now as of today. Uh, the Holly Cuts is here into the, into the podcast as she returns to the podcast. Uh, Sarah, how was the Nine Cup weekend for you uh, this whole weekend? Well, it was honestly incredible. And the most exciting thing um, that I was just looking forward to the most, aside from, like, the venue and the actual being able to play football, was honestly just to experience it with my teammates, especially a lot who have never had the opportunity, um, including players like Holly and a lot of our rookies and just different team members. Sarah, uh, let's start the beginning of the year. Uh, Beans retires. You're taking over the helm at this uh, with this franchise that has been very successful over time uh, in terms of the scope of the sport. And now in the WNFC, being the uh, you know you were there for the first nine cup in 2019 against the same team that you were facing uh, in the nine cup this year. Um, tell us a little bit the transition. Did you feel that that was it? That the, or were you asked to take this role, or did you just? assume that this was your next step to be in this position? So I play anywhere that the team needs me, if it's running back, uh, defensive back, and this year happened to be quarterback. I actually, we had another quarterback um, that I recruited from a local flag team to play, and she didn't pan out just with her schedule. And so at the end of the day, come April, the first weekend of April, um, it was my job this year to play QB. So definitely a transition, but what's nice about the Falcons is I just don't have to shoulder that load alone. You know, it really takes all 40 plus of us on the team to make it happen. Now at the beginning of the year, I myself and other uh, people were very, uh, you know, kind of like 
skeptical whether you're able to fit in that role and, and actually take over for the bean role, initially with the triple option being as precise as it is. Uh, but I think you've evolved into that as, as the season progressed. Do you feel that that's how you molded yourself towards the, uh, getting into the – before the playoffs? Well, thank you, first off. And, and second off, you know, it wasn't about filling the bean role because Bean's just a different player than I am. It's just making mm-hmm. sure I play to the best of my capabilities. And so re- triple option is actually a lot harder than I think – I give myself credit sometimes or our team is like we actually run a pretty complex offense. And so really working out those kinks early on of reading and the timing with my teammates really helped shine completely full circle, especially in the Pacific Conference Championship weekend. And that that was just amazing to see, Sarah. The the fact that you guys were three and three battling all year. Uh, Even Holly had mentioned in your previous podcast about you know, how tough it was because of the fact that your your team was a makeup of a lot of rookies, and it's kind of like a transition year for you guys in a lot of ways. But you guys did battle through, were able to make the playoffs. You get to San Diego. I mean, we we thought for sure, you know what, you know, San Diego had blown through their schedule. We had, we thought for sure this was going to be the case. But, you know, the old the old adage is, you know, you got to play the game. And so uh, you guys showed up in, in San Diego on that weekend and, and took down – two undefeated teams. I mean, that's just so impressive. Yeah, and I think from the outside looking in, people see that three and three record where on the internal on our team and especially with the guidance of Rick, our head coach, we didn't blow our losses out of the water like or blow them out of proportion. In theory, we actually lost those three games by a combined total of less than six points. One was like one point, three points, and two points. So they weren't mm-hmm. blowouts. Um, in the game of football, things can go either way for either team, and a couple of plays go our way, and we could have gone undefeated this year, you know. But what's been awesome is that we've been able to have some of these challenges and adversities, and it really helped us come even stronger together as a team. Bunker down. Sarah, more mobile that you are, I think uh, Bean was more pocket-friendly. You're more mobile and more versatile. So I really that, I think that was one of the keys when, you've got, when you guys went up against, uh, you know, uh, San Diego and Denver and using your mobility plus also using some of the key um, players around you, as you said, all your role players, and, and uh, Maccasini being one of them, especially in, in that playoff weekend. So uh, impressive, impressive wins, those two wins. In terms of the scope of the WNFC, since it's an infancy, it's one of the probably two games that us fans of the WNFC are going to remember for a long time, and you're being part of it. Yeah, and what's really awesome is I I don't know if I'm just – it's just the way the Falcons do it. We kind of do it differently, and me playing a a pivotal position like quarterback, I can hands down say it takes all of us. It takes – all of the people around me, even people who play like scout D for us is, is crucial to the offense's success. Now, uh, Sarah, triple option. um, A lot of people felt like this year, I also felt like the, the schedule because you guys weren't on the schedule for San Diego or, you know, not not so much in terms of the Denver aspect of it, but because they had not seen the triple option, I think it really was a, an advantage to you guys in the playoffs, uh, especially in that game against San Diego, which is kind of a shocker for all of us to see that 
you guys came through with the win. Not that you weren't capable of, but that's literally what it looked like, you know, from us, our fans' perspective, right? But once you did yeah. win for that weekend, you guys really uh, sort of elevated the game against Denver. That Denver game was really intriguing. Can you talk about that game? Yeah, just touching on both ends of the spectrum, you know, that's an advantageous offense for us is triple because not a lot of people see it. So we play San Diego and beat them, and I think, like you mentioned, it kind of caught them off guard. But then Denver, we've already played two two games in a row with them and lost um, both games. So they've seen it already quite a bit. And it started off rocky, right? Two fumbles. But when I oh, came yeah. off on the second when, – when I came off on the sideline on the second fumble, I was confident we were – going to be okay. Not ideal. Our defense held on the first one, which was amazing. And then the second one, it, it happens. That's the game of football. But coming off the field, I think my teammates felt similar that we were in it because we were moving the ball very well on those first two drives, even though they resulted in two fumbles. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. I think that was something that it just, you know, just unfortunate that it happened that way, but it was really good. Let's bring in the Hall of Famer to pick your brain. She was there for everything, so I don't know what she's going to ask you besides what I just asked you, but I'm pretty sure she's going to ask you something. Hey, how's it going? Going well. Uh, heard the news today, but I'm so proud <laughs> of you and so grateful that I had the opportunity to play against you, but also side-by-side side with you. Well, thank you. Um, you know, Sarah and I go way back, uh, you know, to, was it the first World Games? Was mm-hmm. that you? No, before that. You were you were with the Blitz before that, too. Um, but really, it was the World Games, the first World Games that we started to really get to know each other. And, and Sarah, I really want to, like Oscar say, like, um, I really think the growth that you've had at, at quarterback this year was tremendous. The Your confidence level um, you know, especially in that San Diego weekend, it just seemed like you started to feel that you were coming into your own a bit, and it definitely trickled to the other people on the te- on the on the offense. And I really think you should be proud of that. Um, I wanted to ask you a couple of fun ones. Um, what was your favorite moment of the season? One of my favorite ones is just it's kind of just embodies the sport of football is pre-game prior to the San Diego game I just felt compelled to say something to our teammates as we were waiting for like the coaches to walk in and give us their pre-game talk and I said guys how easy would it be to just go out here on Thursday and if we lose we're expected to lose and then we have like the rest of our summer but that's not why we play we play because we love the sport we love we're crazy enough that and we want to have two extra weeks of practice in the hot sun because that's how much we love the game. And I think that was just awesome to come full circle. Like it's so crazy that we choose to put our, our bodies through hard work, sacrifice, sacrifices with our family to play this sport that we love and to play it together. So that was a pretty cool moment. I definitely remember that. And it was a, a timely thing, so good job. Um, what do you think is different about the culture um, with the Utah team? Uh, that's that's a great question. We're definitely homegrown, you know. Um, I think 
uh, across the league, we saw a lot of players kind of transition teams or, or play on different rosters. And um, Utah, we, we're pretty homegrown. We, we did have, a, I think, three travel players this year, which is like the most we've ever had in Falcons history. And maybe you can speak on this, but I think that the Falcons culture is what drew you in to play with us. And I think the – I was actually talking to someone earlier today, and I think the reason why the Falcons culture is different because it's truly team above self – but, however, the team also has each individual's back. So our doesn't matter where you fall on the depth chart, your importance to the Falcons organization is is known. And yes, then we do rotate a- and get, get people in. Like every single player had the opportunity to play in the championship game against Dallas. And, of course, kudos to Dallas and or Texas for winning that game. Um, they, they definitely earned that, but our team had the opportunity to show up and play, and everyone got to experience being on that the, at the field, at the Cowboys field. Oh, definitely. Um, what did you feel like – How? what did it feel like to play at the Star for you? Uh, it was awesome for sure, but it didn't feel unnatural, and I hope that's where the sport goes is that – Yes, we're grateful for those opportunities, and we have to work for them, but it's not a place we do not belong. We belong on beautiful stadiums like that, and we belong in the sport of football as a whole. Oh, definitely. Um, one thing that struck me was about how bright the lights were, but, <laughs> but it didn't feel, like, overwhelming it felt like, oh, this is what every game should feel like. That's kind of how I, I like I felt um, being there. Like this is really awesome, and I hope we can get there where every game feels like this. You know, um, and uh, what is your pregame routine like? Gosh, uh, my pregame routine's pretty drawn out. By the way, the Falcons do it; they have it laid out by like the timeline. So I just follow the Falcons pregame routine and really just what what we also do as the Falcons that's a little different. I think we when we are more loose and having fun, we, we tend to play better. So just making sure not to get too much into my own head or put off um tense energy. Do you have a favorite song that you listen to? Mm, not a favorite song in particular, but one thing that I made sure, I don't know how it started, but on Thursday, the San Diego game in the Pacific Conference Championship, I don't always eat Fruit Loops for breakfast, but I had Fruit Loops that day, Fruit Loops on uh, the Saturday game, so I definitely made sure to eat some Fruit Loops in in Texas. That's really funny because whatever I did on Thursday of that San Diego weekend, I was trying to do the same thing on that Saturday. (laughs) Yeah. That's really funny. Um, and um, what was the funniest moment of the season? Oh, gosh, there's there's a lot. I'd say the funniest moments probably just happened in practice because the game is what we play for, but practice is where the real work gets put in. And so there's just probably too many to count. <laughs> that's That's the great thing about football, though, is those are the moments that, that everybody, you know, really remembers down the road. 
Um, what are your off-season goals? Off-season goals? So right now I'm just prepping for Team USA um, that I fly out on July 21st. And so it's going to be really awesome to go against a competitor like uh, Brittany Bushman, who she was opposing, but now we're on the same team together, and just a lot of the other Team USA athletes. And then after hopefully winning gold in Finland, um, coming home and just building on our youth that we have here on the Falcons, putting in the off-season workouts, working on some of that young chemistry, and um, just being ready for the 2023 season. That is awesome. And I'm going to pass you back to Oscar just because, Oscar, if me and Sarah get going talking about football, we'll take up the entire show because we can talk about it for hours. We, we, are, we are those people that we will literally talk about it for hours. So um, mm-hmm. I'll pass you back to Oscar, but I'm very proud to have been your teammate. And even though we didn't get the ring this year, I still had a lot of fun. Thank you, Holly. Sarah, uh, a lot of the fans uh, that we came into the year, we anticipated the Falcons to end up in, in Texas because, you know, you guys were top five, and then you dropped it to, the, like, the bottom tier of the teams. And to your point, most of those losses were really so close that you could have gone undefeated, uh, uh, to your point. So do you feel like uh, in Texas you, you guys didn't get to show everything that you could, and then that's going to kind of, you know, trend over to 2023? Definitely the way the game started out, um, a little dis- not disappointed because we were doing our best, but I don't think we showed our best. And so it's just going to be an opportunity for a lot of our youth to build upon. And now we have the taste of going there, but also experiencing defeat. And that's definitely a feeling I know I don't want to feel again. So I'm hungry to go back to the championship next year and, and play our best and do our best, you know. Sarah, you're also fundraising for the Team USA, as other teammates are. Um, is there any uh, links or your pages that people can go to donate to your journey uh, over to Vanta? Uh, just uh, Venmo is how I've been getting some donations. But really, I've had such a flood of support that it's really – awesome and exciting and that's what's really cool about women's football is I've been talking about the Falcons culture but that culture also I experience larger than the Falcons and that's something grateful I am for women's football now at the championship game um, the the WNFC showcased exactly you know what the weekend was all about it was pretty pretty spectacular weekend this weekend in terms of from compared to last last year uh, you know, the girls' ball, the flag tournament, everything that happened at that weekend, um, the branding literally has put themselves at another level. You know, the, comp- the competition out in the Pacific being as tough as it is, it's kind of a dogfight just to get to Dallas, as an example. Um, do you feel like, you know, the WNFC is, is going to another level here? You got Vire, you got Dick Sporting Goods just came on right before the, uh, the Nine Cup weekend uh, area. So where do you feel like as a whole the league is – evolving to you know I think it just comes down to just the hard work that's put in and it's a lot of sacrifice and a lot of um, countless hours of people culminating their efforts 
towards a bigger picture, which is kind of like football, right? People, especially like the the girls in the trenches who work their butts off, it's for a larger purpose. And as long as the league can continue to facilitate that larger purpose, any any football league, um, and not get caught in the weeds and the individual stuff, um, I really hope women's football can continue to grow. All right. So, Sarah, I really appreciate you making the time. I know on short notice, like, we kind of message back and forth. I know you're busy, as always. Uh, but I really appreciate you coming on, giving the fans a perspective of the Nine Cup weekend, your, uh, you know, performance throughout the year up to the culmination of that weekend. And, you know, just the, the, the evolution of you at quarterback, I think a lot of the fans got to see that from week one to, you know, the final weekend of the Nine Cup, which everybody can go back and watch it on Vire Sports and, see the evolution of, you know, yourself as quarterback and leader of the Utah Falcons. So uh, looking forward to the 2023 Falcons and see with all those rookies and everything that came about, plus, like you said, the experience at the Nine Cup, it's going to make them a little hungrier to, to, make, to make a return to Dallas next year to challenge for another Nine Cup. Yes, thank you, Oscar. Really appreciate this platform and just the sport as a whole. So thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to another chat. Um, um, hope gold is for you and Vanta, which uh, the world will be watching you guys on uh, against the rest of the teams at the IFAB World Championship. Yes, thank you. All right, Holly, there it is, your teammate, Sarah Galicia. I've been corrected, so I, I pronounced it improperly before. So uh, Sarah Galicia, the quarterback of the uh, runner-up nine cup champion, uh, Pacific champions, the Utah Falcons. So what a year, uh, Holly. I think uh, this can only grow and grow and grow. Oh, definitely. I mean, um, like Sarah was saying, I think that the progress that we've made as a sport, especially the last couple of years here, has been tremendous. And I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do in the next coming years. I think the, you know, sky is the limit. And I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, I think, it, uh, I mean, her evolution, her transformation from going to that new position, I think it's just going to make her better next year. And given her teammates already got, you know, a taste of what championship football is all about, I think that's going to benefit her as well, too, as a as a leader. So it's really awesome to, uh, to you know, evolve into a quarterback of good caliber, but also to take your, your team to there. And then, you know, to make history, right? Uh, she's the first quarterback to uh, take – to defeat two undefeated teams in the Pacific Conference which would be pretty much in history uh, in terms of the WNFC. Oh, yeah. And I think one of the things that you uh, cannot overlook is, you know, like she was uh, referencing the the losses that we had, and we talked about it earlier in the season. Um, You know, they were very close losses, and all three games that we lost in in the regular season, we were winning in the second half and just had bad mistakes and silly mistakes, like, false starts and dropping the football and little little things and and those things matter and so that use that we struggled with early in the year and those mistakes uh, even though they they weren't fun in that moment we learned from them and that really paid off in that San Diego trip so um, I really think with another off season for a lot of these younger players they're going to start building upon that now they understand that when things go bad, you can't, you know, just melt down because the next play is coming. You don't have time 
um, to dwell on a mistake. You have to go and try to fix it the next play. And so I think a lot of that hopefully will transition into the off season and uh, provide a lot of success going forward. And then it speaks volumes to her leadership. You know, one, one year removed, oh, yeah. like I said, from, from being to take the Falcons and keep them at the same status level that they were in, like, in 2019 and to bring them to the nine-cup final. So, I mean, just as a leader himself, that's great. So that's awesome. Um, let's go into the second Monkey Knife of Huddle. We're going to bring in uh, the coach, Tammy Moore, which is the champion from the Texas Elite Spartans, the nine-cup champions, in a second. Is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy to play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. Don't forget, guys, go to Monkey Night Fight. You can play MBA, MMA, PGA, MLB all weekend long. Use our code N, uh, NJF to get started. $5 free play, monkeyknifefight.com. Let's go into the second huddle, and we're going to bring in Coach Tammy Moore of the champion Texas Elite Spartans of the Nine Cup champions of the WNFC. Coach Tammy, what's going on? Hey, guys. What's going on? How you doing? Uh, Coach Tammy, are you retiring too? Are you putting any posted for retiring because Polly Custis just retired today? Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm just getting started. <laughs> but, uh... Yo, we appreciate people like Holly Custis for sure. Thanks for paving the way for the ones who still got some in their tank because it's needed. It's needed for sure. Uh, Coach Tammy, we're recalling the uh, Nine Cup uh, weekend here. We just talked to Sarah Galicia here of the of the Utah Falcons, which they were on the uh, you know the the loss end of it at the uh, star. But you know what? It was a great mm-hmm. performance for them to come out. You know, two undefeated teams in the playoffs. They finally make it up to competition against the elite Spartans. So what do you say of your season, uh, Coach, coming into the season? You guys pretty much uh, faced everybody that you could in terms of the schedule. You had Washington on your schedule. You had Alabama almost uh, pulled the upset there during the, during the year. So what do you say of the uh, culmination of the 2022 season? Um, I think the term step your game up was taken to a whole different level, and not just for Texas Elite, but for the league in itself. Because on both sides of the conferences, like we saw, like what was upsets, almost upsets, um, the level that these women are willing to take to, like, rise to the occasion to get what we all ultimately want, which is a championship, and to put our team on the map of, like, being one of the best teams in the world. Um, so I believe that this season showed the world that, hey, the WNFC is here. We have a lot of talented women spread out across um, the league in itself. And, yeah, we we don't show up and show out every single time. It makes me very excited for the 2023 season. Coach Tammy, um, I know Atlanta was smacking uh, on social media and on the promo reels, but they didn't even show up. <laughs> What's up with that? That was like our media. So like, you, you can't be talking smack and not show up. And that's what happened. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. You don't have to ask them. Um, I, don't, like, <laughs> I don't talk about it. I'll be about it. <laughs> we don't talk about it. We, we just be about it. It's like, okay, you said we ain't played nobody yet. You said you're going to do this. All right, let me show you something. I got a magic trick for you. And so um, even the commentators was like, yeah, they D-line was going to tear our O-line up. 
they were sadly mistaken. They had to find out, just like the rest of the world, that we are nothing to play with. So if you're going to come and bring your A game. I don't understand how you can go into a, a shouting <laughs> match like that or a bragging match when you got OJ on the other side who's just louder and, and just such a, a loud speaker. <laughs> you're just giving her fuel, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it just it just didn't work out for Atlanta. I mean, they, they played a great season, yeah. and then they kind of run into this roadblock called the Leaf Spartans, and that was not good to see oh. on Vire Sports. <laughs> Well, I mean, we take all of our competition seriously, so it would have been um, kind of foolish of us as Texas, as the Texas Elite Spartans to go out there with nothing but our best foot forward. Like, because why wouldn't we take another undefeated team seriously? Like, Atlanta came and showed up and showed out, and they was like, they want it. Okay, we just want a little bit more. So um, we we had to prove something to people. Coach Tammy, uh, what do you say of the Alabama game? Uh, they made one mistake there. They if they punch in the, on the field goal, maybe it's a loss for you guys. But what a matchup! That was probably one of the key games also throughout the season that you can pinpoint and rewatch because it was a really a really good competitive game. Um, it definitely put I know for me personally, it put Alabama more on the radar as like teams to look out for. Um, I will say they were very hospitable, had a lot of heart um, going out there, and you could tell that. They are small in numbers, but are mighty on the field. And I give them their props. I will admit, I will give them their props. Um, I didn't get to play that game, but just looking on the sideline of it, I saw that everybody was leaving it out on the field. And that was something that, you know, you could tell, like, just in the trenches specifically. Some people, like, after they get that first hit, they'll nut up real fast, and they'll just be like, oh, I don't don't know if I want to get hit like that twice. No. They were coming hard every single time. And so it was a wake-up call for us. Like, don't get too comfortable. You know, people going to step their game up, which is going to make us step our game up because we have a reputation to uphold. And so I know next year, hopefully we'll see them again regular season. You know, we really going to see what, what, what it's talking about because I'm pretty sure that they're going to come ten times harder. All right. So uh, a lot of people are saying you guys are a super team, uh, you know, probably one of the super teams in terms of women's football. Uh, do we feel mm-hmm. like, you know, it's just a, a comparison there? I mean, everybody wants the Texas-Boston, you know, a match, the class of champions, as they say. But in terms of the WNFC scope, uh, the dynasty continues here. Uh, I know a lot of the players, uh, Coach Tammy, were really uh, playing this season uh, for Coach Hughes, uh, who passed away. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the teams, and then you guys had the family – script on your uh, jerseys for the game. So tell us a little bit about Coach Hughes and, you know, the, the culmination of the Nine Cup this year. Oh, yeah. Well, first and foremost, that's how we started off our season. Once we lost our coach, um, it was like a couple weeks after the championship last week, last year. We honestly, from top to bottom, did not know what we were going to do because he was the heart and soul of our organization. He still is, even though his presence isn't here. And that is what honestly pushed us forward throughout this season is Billy F. Hughes and his presence because we can hear all his mannerisms in our head every time we want to give up. Um, him just saying, uh, you better not. I don't think so. Well, you're damn right. Like, <laughs> you better go out there and show him something. And so especially with, like, uh, our my position group, particularly with the offensive line, um, I only got to spend a year with him. But majority of my fellow line women, they have spent majority – of their football career, if not all of their football career, with Billy. And so um, 
to know them is to love them. And to love them is just something it's not you can't really put in words because I think the whole football realm was affected by that. But all in all, like, um, he taught us love. He taught us the importance of being a family. And that's what got us throughout this season is just holding on to each other. When times got tough, we held on to each other. When times were good, we held on to each other. And we remembered we're going to always do this as a family because that's the only way he would want it. So, uh, yeah, if we didn't come back with this championship, like, not for Billy, we, I don't know, man. I think a lot of more people would have been retiring after that one with hung up a, hung up a shoes because what are we doing this for? Yeah, it was an integral part of the success of the, the Spartans in, in terms of the organization, too, and, and within the WNFC in terms of its creation and everything else. So, uh, you know, uh, prayers, of course, and our condolences to the to the Hughes family as well for the loss of the coach. Um <laughs> Let's bring in the Hall of Famer to pick your brain here, Holly Cutsis, who's mm-hmm. retired as of today. Hello, man. Hey, how's it going? Hey, crazy. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> you can't retire. Good. You still got some, uh, some gas in the tank. Uh, you know what? 16 years is a long time, man. <laughs> I'm 102 football years. Um, but congratulations yeah. on, on your guys' win. You know, obviously – you know, it's hard for me, you know, not winning that game, but I'm also very proud of mm-hmm. of your team as well. And, you know, Thank I think you. you guys had an excellent season, um, you know, and I totally get you guys playing for Billy. You know, I lost my former teammate this last year too, so every every game I had her initials on me. So I get it. Like, it's when you have that extra ump to play for something bigger than yourself, it, it matters. Um so I totally understand that. Um, what was it like playing at the star for you guys? Um, I kind of heard what Sarah said earlier. I'm going to echo kind of piggyback what he said. Like, it was a great feeling. At the same time, it felt comfortable um, because I felt like that's where we belong. Like, that's where women's football belong, at the high stadiums, the big lights, um, televised, all of those things, because we have a lot of stuff to bring to the table. Um, you know, you get all the comments of like, oh, yeah, they can play, they just can't play with men. But it's just like, bro, we weren't even trying to play with y'all. Like, we got, that's why we have our own league. We're going to show up and show out with our own, with women. And like, we're going to compete and be the best versions of ourselves because that's what women's football does. And so, um, I know it's like this rivalry between Utah and Texas with this being my first year getting to play in that quote-unquote rivalry, but I still felt nothing but love out there on both sides. It wasn't no dis- like anything disrespectful being said. It was a good, clean game for the most part, and everybody just really putting their best foot forward. Um, people can appreciate good football. And uh, I know for me personally, I had to just take it all in because I was like, this is one of many games to come. So, and it's going to continue to be on bigger and better stages. It's just like this. So, it was uh, definitely a very warm experience, to say the least. Oh, yeah. And um, I was telling Sarah, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the lights were very bright. But I had the same yes. feeling of, like, wow, like, I can see everyone extremely clearly right now. And this is awesome. This should be like this all the time. And uh, you're right. Like, I just felt like we, we belonged there. And and I feel like as we get more and more opportunities and as the you know the production value has improved so much, you know, with the camera angles and all that, and as that continues, you know, the sky is the limit like we were talking about earlier. Um, what yeah. was the biggest obstacle that you guys had to overcome this season? 
Man, uh, to be honest, and I think I can speak for everybody on this, it's playing the season without Billy. It was a season of change and adversity. Um, of course, like on the outside, looking in, um, everybody thinks we have everything all well put together, but it was a lot of emotional grief and loss happening there. And um, when you are, you're constantly reminded of somebody who was there every single time and like just his physical presence not being there. It made it hard on some of those football games. I mean, those football practices and those games as well, just because like, you know, everybody has their own traditional things to do. You know, they want to hear certain things, certain chants, all of those things like not having Billy there um, was bittersweet. And then also just hearing a lot of people talking about retiring or thinking about putting up the cleats to put on the next generation. It's just be like, hey, come on, man. I know personally for me, I'm just like, I just got here. I need you to relax. Like, y'all give me a few more years. <laughs> but they was like, no, nah, guys, we've been doing this for like 10, 15 years. I'm like, fine, I understand. <laughs> but I still call baloney. <laughs> so um, just – I would definitely say to me, for me, it was more the emotional feel because I'm a feeler. I ain't gonna lie. Like, I I, I gotta have all the feels because I move through love. So it's just, um, it was a lot of emotional things to say the least. <laughs> yeah, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I know I talk to a lot of people, and every single player has their individual pregame routine. What is your pregame mm-hmm. routine like? Um, okay. <laughs> so my individual pregame routine is to be is to one double triple quadruple check everything in my bag just to forget something anyway. So, um <laughs> I know for the championship game I actually forgot my sports bra. Um Oh no. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, Hey, I kinda need that and it was like before I realized it was too late. So like me and my teammates were scrambling around trying to figure something out. Um but then, you know, we start playing the music in the locker room, getting hyped up, all of that stuff. I got to have me a granola bar and some pickles um, just to make sure that if nothing else, I stay hydrated throughout the game. And then, you know, go through our prayer, go through our chat, you know, get each other hyped up, make sure we all locked in, get taped. And then you go out there and you handle business, especially as an old lineman because I know a lot of times, People see me off the field, and they just be like, oh, this girl is crazy. She's tripping. Oh, she goofy. And then when it's, like, on the field, I'm not doing all that talking with you. I'm just I'm like, come on, let's get it. I hope you came ready because I've been watching you. <laughs> I studied you. I don't care what size you are. I'm going to try my best to knock you on your butt. So that's just what it is. But that's awesome. You know, it's funny that you say that because – Everyone always tells me I'm so nice, and then on the field, I'm like, well, on the field, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a flip of the switch, and something else comes mm-hmm. out. So, <laughs> so yeah. I totally get that. <laughs> for sure. Um, and what was the funniest moment of the year for you? Um, the funniest moment? I'm going back to the uh, championship game. I'm a, I'm called Tell Out on this one because it was my first time uh, meeting Teller. So it was funny. It was, like, the last play of the game, and um, our QB, he didn't, like, kneel fast enough. So all I saw was Teller, like, shooting in, and I, like, kind of pushed her super hard on the ground. And she was, like, they were looking at me like, what? I was, like, I'm sorry. I, you can't touch the quarterback. Like, I was just, like, you can't do it. 
And then she came to me. She was like, you owe me like five shots after that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it to you because I'm so sorry. Like, I don't want you to think I'm a dirty player. Like, nothing like that. But once again, I just take you seriously. I see how you get off the uh, edge. And no, I'm sorry. Like, my coach would have my head if I was to let Bushy or KP get touched. So I would not. No, it's either me or you. <laughs> it's either me or you. But she was still, like, so nice and sweet about it. So I think, like, just the whole sportsmanship and just respecting, you know, having respect for each other and the love of the game, that was what they had to be oh, yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, that that sounds exactly like Pella. And you you were right because to protect your quarterback, because Pella will come. If Pella's that yeah. person, you, you say, go get ball, and she will go get ball. So that was the right move yeah. for you to protect your quarterback. <laughs> so I get it. Um, and then, uh, what are your goals this season? Oh, man. So, well, of course, I have Team USA. Um, it's coming up very quickly. Um, this is also my first time experiencing Team USA, so I don't really know what to expect. But I do know that, like, this is some of the best of the best that are out here. And I'm very blessed to be a part of that number this time. So I feel like I still have something to prove. Um as far as especially O-line work, because there's some big girls that's in them trenches with Team USA. <laughs> so, um, and I'm like 5'8". I think I'm pretty big, but I'm only like 5'8". So, I, like, when people get a little taller than me, I'll be like, all right, bro, I'm going to need going to have to come. I'm going to have to knock you down a couple of notches or something. But um, <laughs> just, you know, doing that and then right after that, we're going straight into, like, fall ball for my boys at Louisville and just really hitting the ball rolling because, to be honest, I'm going to miss out on a lot with being with Team USA. But the the great part of it is I got kind of my feet wet last year with how things look. So at least now I know what to anticipate and how busy my life will be, but I wouldn't trade it for the right. world. So um, that's, that's what off-season is. And then definitely getting in shape. Um, trying to, you know, getting the recruiting come in, tryouts, you know, come back. And um, it's very heavy competition with tryouts with Texas Elite. Nobody's spot is safe. So, right. like, you know, when people want to come to the championship team, we expect the best of the best. And I know last year we had some rookies. They showed up, and I was like, good God. You know, and, um, yeah, they handled their business. So I can only imagine what we're going to see in the trenches, O-line, D-line-wise. And, yeah, I just got to show them, too, like, hey, man, we have a reputation to uphold. And so now it's like the newer generation that's coming in, we have to take it up a notch because the ones that are retiring um, now, they they left a legacy in good in good hands, and we're going to prove it to them that they did. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's part of, you know, the great thing about women's football is, um, you know, as people retire, you know, the baton gets passed to the next generation. And, yeah. and you know, the teams that can really gel, to gel, gel together and keep that uh, energy going throughout that transition are the teams that end up being very good. So I'm really excited for uh, both you and Sarah to go to Finland. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I'm excited to watch you guys go. Uh, represent the country, and I wish you all the best of luck, and uh, I'll be rooting for you, and I'm going to pass you back over the Oscar. Okay. Thank you, Holly. It was a pleasure talking to you. Nice talking to you, too. Well, Coach Tammy, um, 
we got the IFAB World Championships here in probably, what, 30 days or so, less than 30 days, and going to Vonta. Yes. Um, Sarah's going to go with you and, and the rest of the 45-man the roster. Um, interesting to see. Mexico's hungry. Canada's always in the mix. you got Great Britain. Uh, you got the Aussies mm-hmm. building up another team this year. So very, uh, very uh, competitive international field in terms of the teams out there. Finland and Sweden back in the mix as well. Um, I, are you doing fundraising? I know Sarah's doing Venmo. Are you doing any fundraising that fans can help you out with? Oh, yes, please, because I'm, I'm short. They, they got my neck, y'all. Um, so, yes, I do Venmo, uh, Cash App, PayPal. I have a GoFundMe just to help a sister out. Um, <laughs> but most of those handles are T-M-M-O-O-R-E-4-S. Um and yeah, it's like anything is appreciated. My birthday is also on Friday, so if y'all really like me, well, let's get her some money on Friday. Why not? Let's do it. So, uh, what's the handle? They can follow you uh, on Facebook, IG, and uh, Twitter. Where, where are the handles where you have uh, posted all your stuff? Oh yes, of course. So my Instagram and Twitter is Coach Tam underscore sixty five. So C O A C H T A M M underscore six five and then my facebook is my name is tammy moore you'll see um me with my head down my stl hat on with my texas elite jersey on and yeah uh venmo and paypal is t-m-m-o-r-e for s well no venmo is that in uh cash app i'm sorry but yes anything helps is greatly appreciated all right so I wanted to bring you on because, uh, you know, what a great season for the Texas Elite Spartans. Looking forward to the 2023 uh, season as well and see if they're going to uh, return once again to Frisco. And I believe it's going to be in Frisco one more year. I don't I haven't had any announcement yet, but it would be nice to keep it there for a yeah. while because it's just a great facility too. Yeah, it was a really – the weekend in itself was beautiful. Like, I think we were all amazed at, like, how it came out, pro game. Like, I was a little jealous that uh, <laughs> I didn't get an offer, like, you know, the off-pro gear because I'm like, dog, those jerseys are nice. The cleats were nice. Um, yeah. 707, like, the flag came was pretty awesome for what I heard. It was just – it was a step up for women's football in general. And just – it was a lot of love and laughter that weekend. And uh, I think we've seen the power in numbers of just understanding, like, as a league, where we're going to enhance women's football. And you can't trade those feelings for the world. Oh, no, you can't. Uh, Coach Tammy, wish you uh, the best of luck, especially safe travels over to Vonta uh, for the IFAB Women's World Championships. Go help out uh, Coach Tammy. Go help out uh, Sarah Galicia as well uh, for the Team USA fundraisers on both their uh, Facebook and also on their IGs. If you guys need the handles, um, they're on our IG stories on the promo reels. So you check it out. Click on Coach Tammy and uh, Sarah as well on there. And you guys can uh, donate to their Venmo and other uh, methods to donate. So, uh, Coach Tammy, thanks again. Congratulations on your uh, 2022 championship with Texas Spartans. I'm uh, looking forward to watch you on the big stage in Vanta, Finland. All right. Thank you so much for having me again, Oscar. It's always a pleasure. Have a great evening, okay? Safe travels. All right, you too. Bye. <laughs> All right, so Holly, there you go. Uh, two Team USA uh, members uh, looking forward to some support there. Obviously, it's a kind of an expensive trip as well. I think it's over 5K 
So if you guys can help them out, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, go to the IG stories on our Great Iron Beauties on IG, and you get the handles right there. You can go directly to their IG pages. Uh, if you go to our uh, the, the hub at facebook.com, you can get the link right there to their pages as well. So uh, it's going to be exciting to see both Sarah and Tammy at the I-5 World Championships. Oh, definitely. You know, um, you know, it's been a little bit since the, the last rendition of uh, of this uh, of the IFA, you know, championship, and I'm really excited to see not only Team USA, but how the other countries have developed in the last few years. Uh, Canada is always competitive. Uh, you know, I'm very curious to see how Mexico has developed as well, and the others and the other uh, teams and it should be a lot of fun. I'm excited to see it. All right, guys. Um, I just can tell you right now, these two uh, athletes that we just interviewed are ready to gear and ready to go for Team USA. It's going to be interesting, uh, you know, what Canada brings this year. I know a lot of the um, roster in Canada has been announced. Uh, Finland's roster still pending. Uh, Sweden's roster, I believe, will be fully capable. And then uh, the Australian roster is already set. The Mexican roster is set. So a lot of the IFAB uh, World Championship teams have already set pretty much their 45-man roster. We're going to dive into the IFAB World uh, Women's Championship rosters as we get closer to the event and kind of pinpoint a couple key players that come from, you know, the, the leagues in, in their own countries that are very impactful in terms of the scope of the, of the sport and kind of gives us an idea who, who would have an edge, including Germany, who's uh, actually going to return this year, at, I think since 2013, which is a long time ago. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, Holly, once again, uh, I hope you're going to enjoy your retirement. Uh, you know, going to travel with uh, more more money now, hopefully, you know, because you don't spend <laughs> so much money on football. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm not going to know what to do with the extra money. <laughs> gonna, yeah, you know, I'm definitely still going to be involved in football, you know. So it's just I'm just transitioning, like, uh, that's been a, a topic throughout this um, throughout this show this this hour is, transition and I'm just transitioning um, you know I'm pretty sure I'll be involved in some capacity with football until like I can't walk so so you know I'm just transitioning into different avenues but it's been an awesome career and um, you know I'm excited to, to see what comes next well we're going to be excited to have you on more often now since your season is not there and give you insights and analysis and perspectives like you uh, normally do here during the off season. Uh, now you won't have a season, so that's awesome. And then uh, looking forward to traveling, you know, that's awesome because you get the off season now, no training, uh, you know, you're able to travel pretty much uh, along the way. And, uh, you know, you and your uh, your other half get more time now, so that's pretty cool. And then obviously your pets will get to see you more <laughs> instead of being Oh, my friend. goodness. My, my, yes, my, uh, my wife is definitely ready for a trip that's not football-related, um, and then my animals, like, oh, my gosh, you know, especially because I was commuting and traveling so much the last couple of years. I think I think my animals are so over me, like, coming and going every two seconds. And they got to the point where they understood when I got my bags out what that meant. And then they would try to <laughs> jump around in my pads and, and, like, try to hide in my bags. And it was, yeah, they're they're over it now. <laughs> <laughs> They're ready for a break too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jessica's happy now uh, that you're uh, obviously going to be healed up in about six months. <laughs> going to be a totally different person. 
uh, yeah. scrapes and bruises. I'll be like, what like do that. I do? <laughs> yeah, don't become a couch potato, okay? Uh, Holly, oh no, I can't do she's that. Gonna, she's not gonna like. She's not gonna I like would, that. You're not gonna hang out college football and NFL. Too, no, that would that would hurt my feelings. That would that would hurt my feelings. You know, I gotta I gotta try to stay in shape. You know, just. <laughs> Sure. It's easier the older you get, like to, to fall out of shape. So I still plan on working out. So don't worry about that. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Holly. Uh, congratulations again. Uh, I know everybody, you know, on social media was, uh, you know, surprised at that point because even I was surprised today. I was like, okay, she's retiring. I didn't even know this ahead of time. But, anyways, it was just a, uh, just a, a great announcement today. Uh, I know you a great 16 year career within a span of three leagues. So uh, you've always been a very uh, vocal and presentative representative of the, of the sport and in, uh, bringing it to uh, awareness as well on print and also here on our podcast over time. Um, so we really appreciate you uh, putting in your time in football and also devoting all that time to bring in awareness to it. So I, I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. I mean, I appreciate being on the show for – you know, the, the last few years that I've, I've been on and I've been involved and it has just been, you know, it's just fun. I mean, when you're working on stuff that you really care about, it's, it's still work, but it's fun at the same time. And so it's much more enjoyable to work on things that you love to do. So um, I definitely have appreciated being involved in this as well. All right. Let me bring in Mark here to also say, uh, uh, you know, Great retirement, right, Mark? Well, absolutely. You know, I, I just uh, congratulations, first of all, uh, Holly. And I was just thinking about, you know, um, how long 16 years is and thinking about, like, what I was doing <laughs> 16 years ago. <laughs> and it's a lot different. That's a long time to be doing something. Um, and uh, I just can only imagine, like, how many teams you played for? Three different teams? Four? Four, yeah. Three- <laughs> four, three, you know, three different leagues, something like that. You've seen a lot. Yeah. You've yeah. seen a lot. And and it, it, it's, you know, you carry a lot of institutional knowledge with you. And when someone retires, carrying so much information away, you, you, you feel a little bit sad because there are, are like rookies coming in who won't be able to benefit from that unless you are involved in some other way. So, um, but one thing that I definitely appreciate about you, Holly, is that uh, throughout your time, not just on this podcast, but, you know, um, on, in activities of your um, own devising, you know, I've shared um, a lot of what you know, a lot of what you've experienced, and a lot about what you think about the game. And, and that's just, that's truly awesome. That's, that's, that's almost as awesome as playing the game this long. So thank you very much for, for all of that. Well, thank you. Thanks. I very much appreciate that. You know, it's um, like I was just telling uh, Oscar, when you love something and you believe in it, and that's the, the thing that I think um, I've talked to several people about is there were women that played in the 70s and that I wrote a couple blogs about. There were women that played 100 years ago. And, you know, each generation I feel like has a responsibility to make the game and leave it in a better place than they found it. And so as, you know, I'm retiring and, you know, other people and, and kind of my generation of players start retiring, 
you're going to see us involved in other ways, whether it be, you know, coaching or some people go into, uh, some people like to become refs or front office people. And, you know, we're really trying to focus on taking the game to the next level. And I'm excited to see the generations after us and what they do with the game because it's only going to get better. So I'm really excited to see that. Oh yeah, as you as you should be, you know the the groundwork that's been laid, um, you know by you and and others who've been playing the game a long time. Not to mention, you know, generations past and and what they did to put women's football uh, into existence. Um, it, it it all adds up, and and you're right. The future, uh, I think, is is very exciting, and uh, that's also what I'm quite excited for. Um, just to, to see what happens, like, say, in the next 16 years. Maybe we'll have, you know, flying cars by then, and we'll be, <laughs> you know, fly, we'll be on hoverboards playing football. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm excited for it. <laughs> the Jetsons car is in the works. I think some somebody's got it <laughs> going on. And we'll get to see it probably we'll have before. To invent- but if we have hoverboards on the field, they're going to have to redo all the rules around pass interference. You know that's going to happen. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> all right, Holly. Appreciate you coming in. Uh, once again, congratulations on the retirement announcement. And uh, we look forward to having you on the podcast uh, more week to weeks as the NFL and college football comes into play, especially this college football, <laughs> Pac-12, uh, Big Ten, uh, all that stuff that's happening. So, uh We'll I'll kind make of dive into that. Yeah, that's a whole yeah. that's a whole other show, Oscar. <laughs> no, on NIL, we haven't even talked to NIL yet, so we've got oh, a lot dear. of drama to talk I'm about. I'm excited. the college, but uh, uh, looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to be taking some time off, probably to relax. And uh, now you're like I said, you got a lot of money, so probably be able to plan a lot of vacations. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Jessica's going to be very happy. Yeah, <laughs> we'll post some pictures. Thank you. Have a good night. Okay, enjoy it. All right, you too. All right, Mark. Uh, more vacation time, more money, less equipment spend on it. I mean, I'm cool. <laughs> but will she get bored? Will she come back? It's a, it's a, it's a running joke in women's football that people retire only to decide to come back, uh, you know, four or five years running. So, so Mark, uh, I don't think that, that's the WWE case. Bug? <laughs> What's that? The pro wrestling bug? Is it the pro wrestling bug in women's football? I'm retiring, yeah. but not literally officially retiring. And then, oh, the the, the heel returns <laughs> That's to the right. big event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's oh. it's uh, it's kind of a running joke. Um, you know, yeah. they're they're two camp. They're kind of two camps of players. You know, they're, they're the players that like, you know, they they like to compete and uh, they enjoy, you know extending sort of their collegiate athletics career into, into adulthood um, for a few years. And then you get like those people who are just lifers, those people who just can't give it up and they, they will never go away until the wheels fall off. And um, so, I mean, compared to the NFL, you know, uh, NFL careers are so much shorter than I think a lot of, you know, uh, of the people in the women's game, like I know so many people who uh, in the women's game who played for 10 years or more. It, it's crazy. Um, you know, yeah, a, a lot of the played for 20 years. It's nuts. 
Yeah, there's, there's, I think, 19, what, 25? We're, we're looking at, we're talking Vixens now, right? Like two Vixens, Brian right. and uh, Redlander. Yep. They're like, what, over 20? Yep. Oh, so, yeah. They're still kicking it after 20. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't, Holly too short. I think she left too short. Maybe another five years would have been <laughs> ideal. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. Well, she was getting paid Oreos, and she had enough of the Oreos. Probably not worth it anymore because, you know, there was a mix yeah. and there was a regular, and then the, now there's a double stuff, so she probably just gave it all up and said no more Oreos. So we're good. Yeah, all I, right. it's crazy. Um, there's so many choices now with that. <laughs> I know. They ruined it for me, Mark. I, I just like the plain old-fashioned. I, I can't handle the right. other stuff. <laughs> Only the six-year-olds right. can handle Omega it. Mega stuff. You get the mint. And you got the 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 vanilla thing, and you got the chocolate dipped. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy. If you have kids, you already know the variety on the shelf, and they want to try everything. <laughs> Not just, that's right. Oh my God! All right. Um, so we got to talk to uh, Sarah Galicia, which I was corrected, Mark. So I was literally Galica. Uh, what it? The announcers obviously botched her name as well. So. It's Galicia, Sarah Galicia, and then we have Tammy Moore in the first hour, so you guys can go back and replay that as well. That's a fun interview there with the Hall of Famer as well, announcing her retirement, so it's pretty cool. You get the links on our IG if you guys want to donate to Sarah and Tammy's um, IFAB World Championship uh, trip in terms of the, uh, in terms of the fundraiser uh, to get them to Vanta, Finland. All right, speaking of Vanta, Finland, Mark, we're like almost there. Uh, team Sweden, Team Finland, Mexico, uh, Australia. I think almost everybody's announced their roster except for I think Finland still uh, will do it like, I don't know, a week before or something. I don't know why they're doing that, but anyways, they're doing it like a week before. But mo- for most of the teams, even in, including Team Germany, most everybody's pretty much set at 60 or below on the rosters. So we should be ready to go in another, what, two and a half weeks? Yeah, it seems that way. Um I think most of the teams have, uh, as you said, like, um, you know, like maybe a 60-person roster, and, you know, they'll compete with 45 when they they take the field, and however those teams handle that. I I don't know if they can bring any more than 45 um, to Finland. Um, We're not exactly um, clear on on that rule, if they can uh, kind of bring – backups in, in case of injury or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, I did see that um, Finland had announced 14 people who have for sure made the team, and I think they're still trying to figure out um, uh, the, the process for um, filling out that roster. But I thought that was kind of different, like unusual to announce that they had 14 people who were for sure on the team. I found that a little bit confusing. Did you see that? Well, I mean, there's there's 14 people that are clapping their hands right now and just high-fiving each other. We're all here. We're on the team, Team Finland. Yeah. A lot lot of the big names in Finland, too. Like, no no surprises there, really. So I I, I think it's just sort of like (laughs) um, uh, just wanting to make sure that certain people knew that they would be going. Yeah, and, and so a lot of the rosters are pretty much set. Like I said, Team Mexico, we got some highlights there at the hub about their workouts, and they're working uh, for this this month. So they're getting on their weekend workouts as well. I think Team USA is going to be in Ohio uh, in about a week or so, 10 days. Uh, we're going to try to see if we can get um, 
Coach O.J. Jenkins onto the podcast before the week of the IFAB World Championship, before they take off Devonta, kind of give us an idea what the roster is going to look like and, and all that. So we're working on some of the interviews there uh, as we get closer to the IFAB World Championships. Um, the other headline news is uh, Fathead, uh, Mark, a WFA athlete and, uh, on the Fathead. So I don't know what the revenue is going to look like for the Fathead thing, but I'm uh, you know, in terms of rev, you know revenue for teams and revenue for the athletes, it was unclear on that. Uh, it wasn't really specific in terms of the announcement. So, but officially, Fathead, you can get Fathead WFA specific teams. There's only a certain amount of teams you can get. Go to the Fathead um, website and get that. That's right. Yeah, there's there's about uh, I don't know 15 different Fatheads you can get. Some of them are, are players, and some of them are just uh, team logos, specifically teams. So, yeah, there's a, there's a little more than a dozen out there on Fathead. So it's a good uh, good thing to kind of get some fanfare going for the WFA. Uh, you're also going to get tickets. If you guys want tickets, you guys can go to the w, WFAProFootball.com for the weekend at the Road to Canton. So you get the tickets there as well if you're going to uh, show up there. Otherwise, ESPN2 will be televising the Pro Division game, and I believe the other games are going to be probably uploaded on YouTube from uh, what we know now. So that should be uh, interesting. Uh, maybe for the fans, I believe that was the other arrangement they were going to do. So we'll, we'll get the I details think, yeah. out as soon as we get it. Yeah, if I was going to speculate, I was going to say I was going to say that it would probably work similarly to what they did last year in terms of um, mm-hmm. the uh, Division Two, Division Three, and All American games. So so those all were broadcasted on uh, FTF and also viewable on YouTube at the same time, I think. Um, yeah, we were on there. Yeah. So we had uh, announcements were this week, uh, Mark, we had announcements for the um, WFA awards, uh, a couple of the awards that were given out uh, for MVPs, also for, um, you know, Defensive Players of the Year, Offensive Players of the Year, uh, those were all given out. Uh, no surprise, your QB, uh, most valuable player in, uh, was Alton Cahill. And then the most valuable player on the other side of the conference was our own Jesse Felker, our Noja football athlete from the Nevada Storm, number one. Congratulations to Jesse as well. And then you had yeah. Coach of the Year, Ryan McCauley, well-deserved, uh, taking the Vixen into the final and, and, and punching their ticket to Canton. So we'll see if he can get over the big gorilla this weekend, see if he's able to accomplish uh, even more. Offensive player of the year was Clarissa Tullis from the uh, Venom, which was a really awesome running back all season, really awesome uh, stats as well for her. And then you also had defensive player of the year from Cali War, Jamie Robinson, who also played quarterback at one point throughout the season as well. So congratulations to them. Um, Really great performances um, by all those players, definitely well-earned. And, you know, over in the, um, you know, uh, other conferences, uh, Arlo Henderson from the Tampa Bay Inferno, also coach of the year there for the national conference. Um, so another really, really well-deserved um, award there. I, I, I definitely feel like the Inferno um, uh, really took some strides and will continue to take strides in the future. Um, Defensive player of the year for the national Conference was uh, Nandi Brown of the New York Wolves, um, and finally it was um, Tara Thomas of the Arlington Impact 
the American Conference Offensive Player of the Year. So congratulations yeah, to Sarah, everybody who, who took home Sarah's an award awesome. this year. All season. She was really awesome all season. So, you know, shout out to her. She played a really awesome game uh, all season in, in terms of the impact for that team. It was really cool. So you got WFA uh, awards right there at the hub. You go to WFAProFootball.com as well, and you can get the, uh, the lowdown and the rundown as well. And then the WNFC awards were given at the uh, also at the Nine Cup, and uh, obviously Bushman was one of the award winners. Uh, and then you had the All-Pro MVPs, Nashi Catrone, uh, offensive Jamie Braun, which uh, was an outstanding offensive player. Um, and then you had Crystal Reese for the uh, WNFC. So the uh, awards were uh, MVP uh, was uh, Brittany Bushman. And then you had Woman of the Year. It was Barbie Davis of the Silver Stars. Then you had uh, the Game Changer Award, which is uh, Tina Tella. And then you had Special Teams Player of the Year, uh, Sheila Sikatu. And then you had Trench Player of the Year, Kenesha Leonard. And then Shutdown DB of the Year was Sean B. Singleton. Uh, and then the Rookie of the Year was Carrie Isom as well. And then Defensive Player of the Year, Krishna Lee. And Offensive Player of the Year, Mary Woodward. Uh, which well deserved, right, Mark? Uh, Mary Woodward was just pretty awesome all season. Oh yeah, she was she was great. She was a real force to be reckoned with uh, with the Alabama Fire. Definitely, uh, definitely well deserving there. So those are some of the awards there. Uh, honor awards for the uh, WNFC uh, Atlanta Phoenix Team of the Year, uh, and then they also got that Mercedes Benz sponsorship, which was really awesome of them. Uh, to acquire that as well. Uh, ownership Group of the Year, the Las Vegas Silver Stars, once again. Uh, top Fan Base of the Year, Oregon Ravens. And then Coach uh, Marcel Simpson of the Bandits. Uh, Well-deserved for Coach Simpson. I mean, I think it's turned, you know, missing the playoffs last year and turning this team around and making it to the playoffs is pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, undefeated regular season. A true contender. There was no doubt about it. And, um, you know, coming from being on the bubble last season, um, you, they definitely showed that they put in a lot of work. And, of course, you know, that starts at the very top with uh, now, uh, Coach Vincent. And then the fan base, I mean, Oregon was very supportive from what I hear out there. A lot of, uh, you know, they're growing their fan base out there, Oregon, in terms of their, their team. Now, obviously, they had low numbers as well, but, you know, the fanfare was there. So shout out to them. Uh, ownership of the year. Vegas continues to surprise every year, and they're getting better and better. Uh, you know, they're doing their collaboration with the WNBA in terms of the Aces, and they're doing their collaboration with the Raiders. So, uh, you know, they're doing a lot of things uh, outside of their normal realm to uh, sort of, uh, you know, collaborate with all the pro teams in the city. So it's a shout-out to uh, Kerry and company there. Absolutely. And, you know, what can we say about the Atlanta Phoenix Team of the Year you know, I, you mentioned that Mercedes-Benz uh, uh, partnership sponsorship, and that seems to feel right for for that team. You know what I mean? That's that's an intriguing, but somehow like it very it fits the image of the team. And um, you know, they were on the field. You know, like that with their defense had a very very good season. And uh, for my money, now I know everybody likes the Florida Avengers uniforms, but I personally think. You know, the Atlanta Phoenix has the nicest uniforms in the WNFC. That's just my personal taste. So, um, you know, what can you do with a good-looking team that plays well on the field and is getting it done, you know, off the field? Team of the year. Congratulations to them. 
So really, uh, really awesome there. Uh, Atlanta will probably rebound really strong after that uh, defeat in the playoffs. Uh, didn't didn't show their best there against Texas, but not a lot of teams do that. Uh, and you know, obviously Utah showed that as well. So until they can, you know, they uh, they can elevate their game to meet Texas in the uh, East in the Atlantic Conference. Uh, they just played a really good game. They were the best team out in the Atlantic. So looking forward to them rebounding and um, making another run for the Nine Cup. Yeah, you know, already looking forward to next season and, uh, you know, seeing if they can close that gap, not to mention some of the other teams in the East who, you know, Alabama, uh, Washington, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams that uh, can uh, continue stepping up and they have they have up their game. They, they just got to keep moving forward and, and, and keep stepping up. All right, so we're talking about elevating the game. Uh, we're going to go into WFA – uh, weekend, the Road to Canton uh, National Championships, ESPN2 for the fans. You get to watch it right there this weekend coming up here. Uh, it's going to be interesting All-American game as well. Um, so, Mark, uh, do we want to start with the big kahuna? It's going to be Aaron Kelly taking on Allison, Allison Cahill in terms of the, the, sure. the top matchup. Here. So, uh, uh, Kelly played pretty well, 107.1 rating in the playoffs. Uh, has played really good all year. This is this is why Coach uh, uh, McCollin got his uh, got his uh, his award. Uh, he took you know one quarterback from last year, another quarterback this year, and both quarterbacks got him to the finals. So pretty good, pretty well uh, adjusted job there on offense. Absolutely, their you know their quarterback play has been pretty outstanding uh, this season. Uh, they you know, haven't really gotten too shaken up. Um, they've been passing the ball downfield. Uh, they've, they've got targets that can, can catch the ball and make big plays. And it's, um, it's, it certainly has helped uh, their offense generate points in the absence of, of Grace Cooper, um, who they lost in what well, I think it was what the second or maybe third game of the season. I think it was the second game of the season. So uh, the quarterback plays has, has been has been really really great there in Minnesota. Now we look at the rushing game. We got Kusinen, Falkowski taking on um, Washington Ware and Haas in terms of the run game. You also have Bonds on the other side. Uh, Kelly's always a threat as well uh, from the QB standpoint. Uh, on the receiving yep. end, you got Barber and Radford and Segula, uh, and then they'll be taking on uh, Pasquale, Falkowski, Smith which is, the, you know, the, probably the most well-known of all of them, and Tully, as we had mentioned before during the season. So offensively, in terms of both teams, very talented, Mark. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, as it was last year, you know, Boston has a lot of different weapons that they can go to on offense. But, um, you know, unlike last year, um, th- they've really sort of centered on the running game. Boston's been a run first team and um, even they've even modified their passing game. There was been a little, a bit less downfield passing this season. Um, You know, a lot of short passes um, and, you know, just letting the athletic, the athletes, you know, make moves and get first downs and continue moving the chain. So, you know, Boston's offense has definitely been kind of a ground machine, uh, even in their passing game. 
just it, it's been more about the yards after the catch than it has been throwing down the field. So offensively, a lot of talented uh, people on Boston. And uh, likewise with Minnesota as well. Um, you know, you mentioned Kai Segula, who, who didn't play a lot this year, but I think we expect to see her um, in the championship game. Um, Radford's been basically the she, – she's been the top wide out in the pro division this year. And, you know, Kelly's been able to, to deliver that ball um, deep. They take deep shots and they make them. So um, I, I think the key really for um, Minnesota's offense is to somehow keep uh, Boston's defense guessing. If they can do that um, – then they'll be able to move the ball effectively down the field and, and probably put some points up on the board. My key to the game here is it's going to be Minnesota defense stepping up their big game because if they're going to run Mata and Kusinen on a backfield mentality like they've done all year, like you said, on, they have not relied on Cahill for the most part in terms of the, the passing game except for when, when the red zone comes around. And even then, they've relied right. basically on the run game because it's just a sure thing on the run game to try to punch it in. So that's going to be the key for uh, for Minnesota is can they stop, you know, the uh, the uh, Boston offense from, you know, generating all those points. On the other side, to your point, the uh, Renegade D really has to get pressure on Kelly and really contain Kelly because she is more mobile than anything, and she's able to get the 10 yards, able to get the first downs if needed, and she's, a, you know, that's more right. than capable of running. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, they have design run planes for her. And, you know, if she drops back to pass and there's nothing there, she will take off and, and get the first down. So, I mean, those are definitely things that, that Boston is going to be aware about on, on defense. Um, so uh, that's definitely, you know, they, they're looking to contain uh, – you know, uh, uh, Kelly at, at quarterback and, and try and keep her out of that rushing game uh, a little bit. And, you know, I, I think they're fine with having her take some shots downfield. Um, but they definitely want to stop the, the running game um, because Minnesota definitely, definitely likes to run first um, and let that open up their passing game. I really think that's the key if they want a shot and if they really want a, an opportunity um, to get a, you know to try to uh, upset Boston. It's got to be a big hurdle, but those are the keys to the game, I think, with all the play, playmakers that we just mentioned. Uh, it should be a, a somewhat high-scoring game, back and forth. Uh, that's my uh, you know what, what I'm anticipating. Hopefully, the like I said, the, the, the Vixen D is going to have to do a really good job uh, containing – the uh, international backfield, if they, they even want to, uh, you know, have a shot to even keep it close and maybe even upset at this point. Uh, the other game, Mark, um, we're looking at obviously Derby taking on Mile High. Uh, you got Sas- uh, Santi Stevan taking on um, the Blaze taking on the Derby City Dynamite. So you have a lot of keys there in terms of who's going to stand out. Um, I don't know if, you know, who who we're who we're gonna. See, are we going to see the Mile High Blaze at a low-scoring mentality? Because we know what Derby, we know Derby has is is capable of high-scoring mentality. Right, right. Uh, you know, I kind of 
I kind of look at this game through the lens of the, of the defenses, um, you know, uh, both teams have pretty stout defenses. We know that Derby city um, is, you know, pretty dogged on defense and they hit hard. And, um, you know, we know that mile high has really stifled most of their competition uh, this year. Even when they faced uh, Nevada, they only gave up 22 points. So I, you know, I look at this through lens of, of defense and I, I kind of feel like whichever team can score three touchdowns will win the game. I, I, I don't think I, I, so I think it's going to be something like a, a, you know, one team's going to get three touchdowns and the other team will get one or two touchdowns. That's, that's how I'm thinking about it. So now whether that will be the Mile High Blaze or uh, Derby City Dynamite is uh, completely another question. But I, I, I kind of feel like um, whichever team can, if they can score three touchdowns, will have, will have that game. I think the advantage goes to Derby because you got Wang and Buckner quarterback in terms of sets. You're able to do that. You got Furman uh, well on the backfield as well. You also have uh, Brooke Little in the backfield, which was really good against uh, Baltimore. Um, so there's opportunity there uh, for the dual threat at quarterback shift for Derby City. You also have Casey Harris, who, who's really good. Um, Miranda Anderson, really good. So there's a, there's a, obviously an element to Derby uh, to put up points, which is, like I said before, is can, can Mile High keep up that pace? If they cannot keep up right. the pace, are we going to see the blowout that – that we saw against Baltimore, which is not going to be good for a championship game. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I suppose that can happen. Like, and just hearing the way you, you know, described that, that it could, it very well could get away from, you know, the my high blaze. If, if, if Derby city, you know, finds, you know, whatever that is, can turn it on. But I, I, I kind of don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I feel like it's going to be, you know, a one or two touchdown game. Well, there's a big hurdle. Uh, obviously, uh, can, you know, uh, the Maha Blaze show us some firepower? That's really the question mark here. Um, can they do it? I know we talked to Thelma, and Thelma says, you know, they're geared up and ready to go. I mean, they played uh, Houston very tight, Mark. And they've played most of their matchups pretty tight, 16-0 yep. in their matchups. Uh, the only team that they truly even got over 20 points was against, you know, uh, D3, right? And then they right. were 22-8 against, uh, 22 to 8 against uh, Nevada as well. 38-7 uh, to 7 was the only other one against Nebraska. So that is the question mark that I would go into this game, understanding that they, they have the potential to obviously do something different. But can, uh, you know, can Kimberly – and can Smooth Glory Jones and everybody on that Mile High Blaze, can they keep up if the Derby City Dynamite gets going? Right. Uh, yeah, I, and I agree with that assessment. I, I definitely um, uh, uh, agree to your point that when, you know, Mile High has faced sort of some of the, the tougher defenses, their offense has, you know, I want to say has been anemic, but they just haven't really scored a lot of points whether they won or not, right? We're talking about under three touchdowns um, for the most part. So, so I, so, you know, that's, that's why I, I like sort of like mark out that, 
you know, that three touchdown threshold. We know that Derby City is is going to be one of the tougher defenses that Malhai uh, faces this this year. So, you know, I, I definitely think if if um, Malhai, if if Derby City, you know, gets three touchdowns, they they might be able to hold mile high to, you know, under that. So um, I, I definitely uh, agree with your assessment there, Oscar. And I think it's going to take a lot, um, you know, on the rushing end of mile high, if they can slow down the game and defensively if they can c- contain um, Derby, that'll be a key to keeping it close. So, uh, you know, anything can happen, of course. It could be a different game. They, they arrive in, uh, in Canton, right, under the lights, the big stage. They know this is this is a they have to show out, so uh, you know it's gonna it's gonna take a lot, I think in that sense. But Derby's been here last year; uh, they are the Nevada Mark <laughs> of last year. Uh, they would lug nothing to get a D two championship, right? Put themselves in that same conversation as Nevada. Oh, oh yeah, uh, no doubt. I, I feel like that, um, you know, that they're they're ready for it, and you know. It didn't start. It didn't necessarily start out that way. You know, this is a team uh, in Derby that you know they didn't go undefeated, right? And they kind of struggled out of the gate a little bit. But you know, that's okay. A, a team that can take those setbacks and and um, improve from them, um, I, I will I will take that every time. So and I think I think Derby City is that kind of a team. I think they have a very good shot of winning this game. So the key to the game for me is going to be Alilani Kamal, and it's going to be um, Shaman Tivia Brigham, and then Kari Phelps. I think those are, you know, Priscilla Garcia. So I'm I'm calling out the Mahai defense to keep it close, and then there they're going to be the heart and soul to try to keep it close, because uh, if if Derby does get going on offense, it's going to be very hard. I think, uh, uh, you know, defensively to to keep up for four quarters and keep and shut them down. And like we talked about the offense for the mile high, they got to keep score for score. Can they do it? And then, like, like I said, just the game, watching the game against Baltimore, uh, Derby was really good. It initially was struggling, and then all of a sudden they were almost like the Texas Lee Spartans. They just kind of blew second half, and they just took it over. Yeah, and, and that's got to be kind of scary to uh, to – to watch well it will give you some pause if you're on the other side watching that that film and it's definitely on the the mile high defense to, to make sure that that doesn't happen that that you know derby city doesn't get in a position where they can um you know start to run away with it all right so the d3 battle mark uh we talked about capital city in what the last month or so in the podcast and we're like okay they're they're trending up. We talked to, I think, Aaron Messimer, who came in and said that, you know, this team's pretty pretty awesome as well. Um, so, you know, they, they go down to Carolina, and they take care of business in a big way. Uh, OKC also takes care of business against Arizona, which is a shocker, only a two, uh, a two points for the outcast. So this is two high-powered teams that could probably put up 20 to 30 points easily. Will it be on the defenses now? This is the, the question will be how good is the, you know, the, which defense is going to stand out basically. Right. I, you know, I, I really like this matchup if only because it seems like the two teams uh, are, are peaking, both, both teams are peaking right now. Um, 
you know, the, the savages, uh, you know, they, they took, you know, a couple losses and, but turned it around. They toughed it out. They got into the playoffs and, and they've just been, seemed to, you know, be getting stronger with, with each game. I, I do think defense is going to be a very big uh, factor in this. The, the savages, you know, really, really stopped the Carolina Phoenix there in the, um, in the semifinal. And, and that was um, impressive and, and a little bit unexpected. Now I, I know the savages are, are, are good on defense, but, you know, I expected the Carolina uh, Phoenix to at least, you know, uh, score, you know, a few touchdowns on there. And you know, Savages really, really, um, really controlled that game with, with their, you know, with their defense. And um, so I, I have a hunch that uh, although both teams are capable of, of scoring a lot of points that that this might be more of a defensive battle um well <laughs> it remains to be seen yeah the, the keys are going to be you know can can uh you know who's going to stand out on in terms of the quarterbacks is it going to be jeffries or wilson right who's going to take control of it uh desiree has been lights out all season uh it's really good uh you know quarterback rating i think over 80 where uh, Wilson has not been as effective in terms of a rating based on the stats that are on, on hosted that I'm seeing here. So uh, the rushing game, you have two key rushes, uh, rushers in terms of the rushing game, which is Elizabeth Speaks and Brittany Adams. On the other side, you have obviously uh, Jeffries, who is the only offensive threat in the Lady Force besides Tamara Sweet. So technically their quarterback is, is accumulating a lot of the yards. So if the Savages can contain the quarterback, that limits obviously their potential for scoring a lot more. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think in terms of quarterback play, you know, turnovers have, have been a problem for both teams um, out of the mm-hmm. quarterback position. So yep. that's, that's certainly a thing to, to keep an eye on. It could really have a, a, a huge impact uh, on this, on this game. Um, as you say, uh, for Oklahoma city, uh, you know, Jeffries is sort of the, the biggest offensive threat that they have. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that makes them one-dimensional, but it definitely gives the uh, the Savages a game plan. They know that they're going to have to, con- to, to stop or contain Jeffries. And, um, you know, whereas with the Savages, there's, you know, you know there's, there's a, a few people that you have to – account for, you know, include, you know, including a running back who scored nine touchdowns in Brittany Adams and a a wide receiver in Jessica Weeks who scored five touchdowns through the air. So, you know, that, that would seem to be a bigger task um, to, to account for those two. So uh, it might make sense to, to give Capital City that a slight edge. And then we talk about that because, it looks like capital is more of a balanced offense versus where uh, OKC is literally relying on like a two, a two man show or a one man show. And that doesn't vote well for you, especially if your, if your run game isn't as strong and it looks like their run game, it probably isn't as strong. And considering that the run game is also part of the quarterback scheme, um, that could be one of the key things that the savages will have to look at in terms of trying to like, you know, contain uh, Desiree Jeffrey. So it looks to me, you know, on paper, 
Obviously, the game has to be played, Mark, but it looks to me like if Capital City does their homework, they only got one obstacle. They shut that down. They got an opportunity here in terms of the defense to really uh, make an impressive showing in Canton. Yeah, you know, I agree. Uh, as, lo- as long as uh, Capital City can, you know, do not turn over the ball and uh, give yep. Oklahoma City, you know, extra chances, I think the chances of winning this game are very good. So uh, we got the predictions. So, uh, Mark, I know you're not going against your Boston team. Uh, so I'm taking right. Boston as well. I just think uh, I think they just have a little bit more of an edge. I think I think Minnesota will come to play hard and they will keep it somewhat close. Uh, I think it might be a touchdown, uh, a two touchdown win for Boston. I don't think it's going to be anything extreme. Um, so I'm taking Boston there. In terms of the Mile High Derby uh, aspect of it, uh, that is my big question: Can uh, you know Mile High keep toe to toe? That's the reason I'm giving Derby the edge. In terms of winning, I think Derby will probably win by three touchdowns. Wow. I uh, I will also, you know, I'm also taking Boston, as you say. Um, I'm also taking Derby City. Uh, I, I, I think it'll be two touchdowns or less uh, of a margin. Uh, but we'll see. And I'm going to um, take the Capital City Savages. Uh, I think they've they've got the edge in this one. And, you know, they were my early pick, so I'm just going to stick with them. I'm going to keep rolling with the Savages. The 6-0 and for Lady Force, they're going to have to prove it to us. Um, and like I said, if, if, they, if Capital City does take, take the, uh, the, the offensive threat away from Lady Force, which Arizona did not, uh, I think this is a Capital City win. So I am also going to give the edge to the Savages. I think they were playing a really tougher schedule down the road. Uh, they deserve to be here, and if they really want this, uh, you know, D3 crown, they're going to show us on that on the, this this weekend. So for for Oklahoma, impressive win against Arizona. Can they duplicate that against a probably a more balanced team that is Capital City? So we will see if you know OKC could surprise us. Oh yeah, they're they're definitely capable of it, and they, if they win, they will have certainly have deserved it. Yeah, I mean, and what do we know? You know, we don't we don't do anything but stats. So we, until they play it, we're gonna we're, we'll be proven wrong or we'll be, we'll be proven right. So looking forward to what's going to happen here in Canton. So uh, and so you know what, Mark? It's going to be interesting. This this this, this whole weekend's going to be awesome. ESPN two plus it's going to be on uh, for the fans. And uh, looking forward to it. I'm looking to see if I can get Aaron in here. Uh, hopefully the uh, on that Tuesday after the game win or lose for her team. Um, she said she's going to try to make it in here. So we're talking about Redwood Truett, Great. Uh, the, the co-host of the, uh, of the Cleat Sheets podcast uh, also. So uh, you, uh, you guys can go check out their latest episode right there, Cleat Sheets at uh, Cleats, Cleats underscore Sheets, I believe, on IG. You go Cleat Sheets on Facebook. So you can check out uh, Jody, uh, Redlander, and uh, Aaron Truett there. And they're both going to be competing, Mark, on either side of the ball. So no love lost there. Uh, one of them has already won. <laughs> one and oh. <laughs> Looking for two and That's oh right. for Redwood. <laughs> no bitterness after this after this somewhat win or loss. I don't know what the outcome will be, but they're going to have to meet each other again. <laughs> right. It, you know, it would be hard. It, I think it would be hard for Boos to swallow two, you know, 
Um, that, that would be tough. But, um, you know, this is what competition is all about. So, Yeah, I don't know if Moose will retire after this. What do you think? Think Moose will call it quits like Custis? Um, hmm, that's a good question. Yeah. I I don't think so. I, I don't think Moose will retire until if she wins it all, then I think it's on the table. If she doesn't win it all, I don't think it's on the table yet. I think she will she will She wants keep peanut going. butter, Mark. She wants crunchy peanut butter. She wants to win it. <laughs> she yeah. does. She does. She wants. Uh, you she know, wants she, uh, she hoisted. How, how can you play this long and not and not win it, right? If you don't win it, you gotta keep going. You've been at it for twenty years, you know. Yeah, it's it's. I, I mean, and this is a great team. Uh, this is, you know, the, the team to come back from last year to this year. This is a much improved team too. So, you know, like I said, uh, shout out to Coach uh, McCauley. I mean, for turning it around. I mean, we t- we always talk about Nevada, how impressive you know Garza has turned that program around, but. You know, this year, I mean, they know, they played their Masseys correct, right? They know how to play the Masseys. They they play the, the the tough schedule. They 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 get favored here, so they're the underdog. So they got really nothing to lose. Like, once again, nothing to lose because they're taking on the juggernaut, which is Boston. So everything's on the line, as they say. Right. I mean, this was a very different uh, season for the Vicks, and you know, um, in in 2021, they kind of ripped through everybody in their regular season, and um, and, you know, but this year, you know, it, they had to overcome a lot and, you know, the, the per- personnel is different and, you know, things happened, uh, that, that they weren't expecting. So, um, I, you know, they, you know, talk about character building, if, if you want to call it that, um, you know, it, the team definitely built some character by facing those, um, those obstacles this year. So, so it's definitely a different team going into the uh, national championship game this year than it was last year. All right, guys. Uh, if you guys want to get the lowdown on the international news, which we didn't go into, uh, get the lowdown from Finland this weekend, Trojans versus Wolverines, uh, West Coast taking on Bouncers, uh, Linuses taking on the Saints. I've uh, got four weeks left in the season, championships in September. Uh, the matchups in the in Germany, in Germany, uh, Berlin, 32 to zero against Hamburg. Uh, you also had Stuttgart against uh, Ellinger, Ellingen, 34 to zero. The upcoming games, you got Berlin taking on the Hamburg Amazons, and you got Hamburg Devilins taking on Kill Baltic. There's a couple other matchups in D2 as well, so we'll keep tabs on the German scene as well and give you updates there at the hub. Uh, so really, really. Uh, what a great podcast today. So if you guys enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe on iHeart, uh, Apple, and Spotify. Make sure you share it on our Facebook posts as well. And our uh, thanks for sharing our IG uh, posts as well. And also uh, for viewing our stories. Really appreciate it on IG. Uh, so, uh, Mark, it's going to be awesome. Uh, flag football front and center at the World Games this week. That's what we're going to be keeping tabs on. That's right. I mean, that's that's a whole other thing. There's a lot of ha- lot of football happening this week. All right, guys, uh, Team Milk, front and center, uh, Joe Overstreet and Jonah, uh, also in, in uh, Birmingham for Team USA uh, on the women's and men's sites, and we're going to keep tabs of it uh, through the uh, hashtag that's on there on the, uh, at the hub. So pretty awesome football coming up here. We've got X-League, WFL, LFM, if you're into, into the uh, arena leagues as well. 
Uh, we've got cha- uh, competition here, X-League Week 4. That's going to be Austin uh, Sound taking on the Atlanta Empire. So you can get it right there. You can also go to Fan uh, FanPass on xleague.live if you want to uh, subscribe to this. So, Mark, uh, pretty awesome. And then we had uh, Coach Tammy Moore and Sarah uh, Galicia as well inside here uh, for recapping the Nine Cup weekend for the WNFC. So it was a pretty cool podcast. Absolutely. Uh, it, it was great to hear um, uh, from both the teams that participated in the uh, WNFC Nine Cup uh, championship game. So it was great to to get uh, perspective from both sides. And then the announcement of the Hall of Famer as well, Mark. So, you know, uh, we got her now full-time pretty much, and, and unless she goes on vacation. <laughs> well, vacation is in order. So, you know, don't don't count your uh, eggs until they're hatched. No, for sure. Uh, we should get uh, Coach Terry Lister back here in the fall as we're going into college football. We're going to dive into – the NIL. We're also going to dive into this huge mess that is the uh, Big Ten Pac-12. We're going to dive into the offseason in the NFL. Uh, so a lot of things to uh, still stand by on. Uh, women's football action will be basically uh, until 2023 in terms of the states in North America, but we will be covering international news as well from Australia, from uh, Germany, and all the other uh, leagues that are covered internationally, but uh, including the IFAB Women's World Championship. So stay with us as the fall goes through. We're going to be talking NFL, college football. We'll dive into a couple things in the women's game and then obviously get ready for January and February as we go full-blown once again for women's tackle football. So co- uh, backseat coach Mark Simone here will be with us uh, till I think, the end of the month after the IFA World Championship, and then he's going to take a vacation break until we get geared up again in February of next year. So really appreciate you, Mark, coming in here and weekly and give us insights on the women's game and Looking forward to a little break, right, Mark? Yeah, I mean, thank you very much. You know, I, I enjoyed doing it. I'm looking forward to this stretch of, uh, you know, uh, of the IFAP Women's World Championship, the WFA uh, National Championship. You know, the the Nine Cup was awesome this year, and um, I am looking forward to that break. <laughs> We've covered a lot. Yeah, it's a whirlwind this past year. It's a whirlwind, but uh, yeah. we're, we're looking forward to it, and it's going to be awesome. We have the NFL, college football. We'll break it down, and then we're going to get off-season news and notes from the women's game. So uh, for the absent Nate Ward, uh, Mackenzie Brooks, and for Holly Custis, as well as Te- Terry Lister, and for Mark Simone, Oscar Lopez says here, thank you for coming in. Uh, don't forget, subscribe on our podcast, Apple, iHeart, and Spotify. Go back and replay almost 400 episodes. And don't forget to replay this one, 423, with uh, Sarah. Galicia, and obviously Coach Tammy Moore. So have a great night, everybody. Fight is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50.